Hi guys, welcome back to What's On Your Mind. I'm here today with Rachel Liverman, the third gen esthetician and the founder of Glowbar, a destination for approachable facial treatments and an aesthetically designed formula that eliminates overwhelming treatment menus and the need for expensive add-ons. They are designed to be effective and efficient and help you feel confident in your own skin. Liverman is reinventing the skin spa industry by creating an efficient and accessible solution for glowing skin and the first to market results driven 30 minute facial concept in stores across the US. Globar is on track to end 2022. Tell me if this is incorrect with 12 locations. And today Rachel is here to chat with us about her story and everything in the middle. So Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you say hi? Hi, thank you so much. I am so excited to be chatting with you. Um, and I am beyond impressed by you. So this is very fun for me as well. Breaking up my week. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. And thank you for your words. That, that really does mean a lot. Uh, but before we start, why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are and what you do and even what Globar is in your own words? Yeah. So you said it perfectly. So I need you to be our like PR person going forward. Um, (laughs) I like, I couldn't have said it better myself, but what do we do? We are reinventing skincare. Um, and so we were the first to market 30 minute facial. Um, we do just 30 minute facials that are super efficient and effective. So they're all customized, all standardized to make sure that we are helping you achieve, achieve your skincare goals. And we, um, are continuing to expand um, as quickly as possible. So excited to talk more about the journey of getting here. Yes, thank you so much for being here and telling us about it all. But why don't you tell us about that journey and what inspired you really to start Globar and where the idea came from? Yeah. So, okay. Um, I always start this story, um, by going back to the 1970s. Um, so a long time ago, um, my grandmother pioneered skincare in the United States. Uh, she opened the first accredited aesthetic school in Boston, Massachusetts, um, where people for the first time ever could go to a vocational training school and learn how to do aesthetics prior to getting their aesthetics license. Um, she really saw that people in the U S weren't taking care of their skin. And so she really wanted to bring that here and she did it successfully. Um, my mom owns the company today. Um, and all three of us, uh, are estheticians. Um, and I, um, I graduated from college and I went to to college for entrepreneurship, always knew I wanted my own like business and to like run my own business. But I like knew I wanted to learn from others first a bit. So I started my career about a decade in beauty, working for um, some beauty brands and um, most recognizably Birchbox in their early days. Um, and I really like got my feet wet in the beauty space, but also entrepreneurial space, watching the founders really grow the business and scale it. Um, and at around like 30 years old, I really was like, why don't I take care of my skin? And I was like, kind of like the cobbler's son with no shoes. I always say, like, I just like did not take care of my skin. And I, I, out of anyone knew that I should be. Uh, and the reason really boiled down to that. I couldn't find a place that I like could afford consistently that, you know, did a shorter facial because I didn't want to sit there for like an hour and a half and get a facial. And I really didn't know who to trust. And so, um, I really like felt like I wasn't the only one that felt this way and wasn't like the only one that knew I should be getting facials, but couldn't find a place that I could really trust or fit into my schedule. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to create it. Uh, So 
what glow bar is today is what, what I had in mind when I had the idea, which is a 30 minute facial for $65 and there's a membership component. So if you're a member of ours, you pay $55 a month. So super affordable monthly. And then we only do skin. So we just do neck up, I like to say. Um, And so we are experts at facials um, and that, you know, instills a lot of trust in the consumer. So um, yeah, that's where it came from. It's a, it's a legacy business, something I'm really, really proud of um, and that every employee at the company, you know, knows because it's, it's, it's um, a long female, um, you know, legacy business. Definitely. And when I was reading the story, I was so fascinated by the way, you know, you kind of, it wasn't necessarily a direct path. Like it wasn't like it was an immediate thought for you that you were going to do this kind of business, but it ended up in the same place. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, It's been, it's been a lot of fun and um, it's a lot easier to do the hard work when it's Mm -hmm. for like a bigger purpose or like has like a legacy to it. Right. Tell us a little bit more about the experiences or what you kind of learned when you were learning from these CEOs and these founders that you were working with for before you did your own thing or before you started Bar. Yeah, I think like what I like you always, what I always say is the most valuable to learn is like what you like learn from others mistakes or learn what you don't want to do. Um, and so I think I just like was really fortunate to watch, um, you know, these founders like figure out their path to growing the business. And along the way, like we all like, you know, learned a lot from different decisions or how like results that we had. And so like, I, you know, learned from those examples, but I also just learned that like, entrepreneurship just takes like such resilience. So I think I like knew I was what I was getting myself into Mm. before doing it because I had watched the hard work and the like relentless hours and just like the pressure. Um, and, uh, it kind of made it normalized it for me a bit in the sense of, it doesn't feel like I'm the only one that's going through this or like, like this pressure isn't like we, it's not like abnormal, right? It just like is kind of what you sign up for when you're doing something different and trying to make something that was never, you know, done before. Um, and so it kind of like, it took away the shock of the stress and the pressure and the like frustration at times and like the growing pains. And it's like, yeah, this is really normal. Um, and it'll, it helps me be more resilient and like keep going on those days. That's so Awesome. And that's one thing also that I don't think people talk about is the amount of times people get shot down as entrepreneurs or the amounts of times that things just don't work because you're figuring it all out yourself and you're figuring it all out now. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a lot of, it's a lot of, um, I always say like anyone can start a business, like, like you don't have to be the smartest person. You actually Mm -hmm. just have to be like the most resilient and, Mm -hmm. um, and be able to like pick yourself up. Like, I think like emotional wellness Mm. is, and like EQ is so much more important in business than IQ or just having like the brains going into it because, um, you have to be able to, you know, get through those days. And also like the, like discouraging moments, the nose, the, this didn't work. We have to fix this. Um, it's, it can be really draining on you. 100%, 100%. And I want to touch back a little bit later on the emotional intelligence and the EQ part. But 
I want to ask you how you were kind of able to apply the experiences of those other founders, essentially, and how it can apply or how it has applied to your business. Yeah. Um, like I, I think I, the biggest thing I learned was like how I, as an employee of those businesses wanted to be regarded and like, Mm. like treated. Yeah. And I don't think I do it perfectly. It's almost like, you know, each generation tries to do it a little bit better than, you know, the last. And I think like, um, I just remember like working so hard and wanting to be like appreciated and valued and acknowledged and, um, you know, have people be really transparent with me and those things. And I think like that I really like brought to Globar, um, a sense of like, we, um, like we have to treat our, like our people are the like crux of our business. It's like the most important thing. Um, and like building a culture that like really like walks the walk, like doesn't Mm -hmm. just say something and then not do it. And so like, I think like the culture piece has been the thing that I like care about the most. That's also just like me as a person, like I'm very much a people person. Um, I love, uh, I really love like building a strong, like culture internally. Um, but yeah, I think like, that's where I'm able to be like, I've been in your shoes. Like I've worked as hard as you have for someone. And I get that, like, you're all doing your best. And that like helps me be a better leader, I think. I love that. And I think that's one of the key things, obviously, in growing a business and being a founder. And aside from aside from the things that you mentioned, what are other ways that you're able to create and cultivate that successful, unified community? Yeah, um, I think like, first of all, just treating everyone as like human, like, yeah. Um, and like recognizing that we're all doing our best. Like something I try to remind myself is like when I'm like working through something like that must've made sense to them mm-hmm. when they did it. Like everyone has like good intent. Like, you know, no one would be on my team if they didn't have a good, good intent, good heart, like all of that. And so like that really like <laughs> helps um, me lead. But I think like, you know, just treating everyone like, like we're all going to make mistakes and it's not the end of the world. Um And something that I learned from my executive coach a long time ago was um, asking myself too, if this is going to matter in 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years. And it helps you like de-escalate a concern because nine times out of 10, if not 9.9 times out of 10, something won't really matter in in those periods of time. And it helps you just like be a little bit more compassionate as a leader. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that like culture is just the most important thing. And, um, and so I think just like even small things, just like thinking about it often is what like sets our culture up for success and like really talking about it and like, um, you know, having strong values as a company and then like Mm. tying everything back to them has really like worked well for us. Um, because it's like, it's our Bible, it's our tenants, like it's what we are all working towards. Um, and it helps like unify all of us. And I think even for people as individuals that can apply for a lot of the time, because we don't know what 
we want. We don't know our direction. We don't know what is most important. And at the end of the day, it comes with defining those values and those priorities too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so important that the whoever's leading a company has that really clear mm-hmm. or else the rest of the organization will, will feel the confusion or the unrest or the like lack of focus or, or like it's hard when teams don't have expectations. Like I think expectations are like what set like companies up for success because then everyone knows what's expected of them, what they need to do. Um, and it's just very clear, mm-hmm. which is helpful. Do you think that having personal values and personal not values, of course, but priorities uh, aside from what may apply to the business is important when trying to lead and build and grow? Yes. I think when you're like a founder, like a business, like that is like, like a founder led business, yeah. your business is actually just you, right? Like the culture and like so much just ties back to what you envisioned for the company. And part of that are like values. Like what do we prioritize as a company? And like our values, it's interesting. Like our values are really like like me, like, um, our values actually stand for dopest. So like dope, like, uh, yeah. So, you know, like the first one is driven. Like I'm like inherently driven. I expect that of my team. Um, the second is optimistic. So I lead from a place of positivity, or at least I try to, um, P is for people oriented. I love people. So, so like, it's funny because a business really is like the founder of, you know, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the hope is that, that, um, that fabric go like continues like through the company and, and forever. And that's why I think a lot of companies when the founder leaves, if the, the the people managing the business after don't maintain those same values, it can, it can lose the feel. You can't even really put your finger on what it is, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's a company that's done this really well, Soul Cycle, um, the spinning studios and like, you know, the founders, um, Julie and Elizabeth, like really like did an amazing job creating a culture there. And I still see a lot of that in it, even though they don't own it today. And like, I think they did it very well. Um, so yes, I think it's important to have personal values, but they tend to be very similar to the company's values. And I feel like that's also probably why you see these big companies being so selective about who they choose to continue on their legacy, right? Like if you just look at Amazon and Jeff Bezos, right? Like he was bred the, I I don't even know his name, but the CEO was bred so extensively to manage a company like Amazon, the way Bezos or Bezos did so that it can still run and thrive. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's really important. Um, And yeah, you, you nailed it with that example. It, um, it's so important who's going to carry it on. Definitely. So I want to touch a little bit on what we had mentioned before, which was the uh, emotional intelligence too. And I know we were talking a little bit about it already, but take us through, does, does the company get, or do the employees, for example, since we're on this track, get mental health days? Like how do you kind of instill that mental health thing into the community too? Yeah. Um, so our team has um, unlimited vacation on corporate. So 
um, if they need a day, like it's encouraged um, and there's like no questions asked, like it's so important. Um, I think I talk a lot about mental health. And so I think again, that like that feeds into the culture of like being open about it. I've been very open about my own challenges or like feelings. Um, and I don't really like hide when I'm stressed. Not that I like, like make it miserable for everyone, but like, right. I admit when I'm stressed, like yeah. right now we're going through a lot of like growing pains and like, I yeah. openly will be like, yeah, this is tough. Like yep. totally get it. And it's like, yep. it allows when you're vulnerable, other people can be vulnerable and open up. Mm-hmm. Um, we are like a startup though, and we're fast growing. And so um, there's not, uh, there's not a ton of like time that everyone like can take to like, really like, you know, like take care of like every single thing they might need. Um, so it's just also like that, then the onus is if we're going to spend so much time at work, like we have to make it fun. We have to make it an environment that is like a strong culture. And like, we have fun and we take like, you know, 15, 20 minute breaks during the day to like laugh together or go get coffee and like things like that. Um, because we're all really excited about what we're building, but it makes for like, you know, mental health days to weigh on you a little bit more because there's so much work to be done. Yep. So if you're comfortable with sharing, what are some of the daily challenges that you kind of face personally and in the business? I think personally, like I struggle with like being like a control freak a bit. Like Mm -hmm. I want to like control everything and anything. I want to like have my hands in anything and giving up that control. I like it's really like, and I bet a lot of founders would agree, but like, it's not that I don't trust my team. I wouldn't have hired them if I didn't, Yeah. but I can't like, I struggle with like letting go and like, did this happen the way I want it to? And the way I like get myself over that is like, there's many ways of doing something. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just my way. Like there's many paths to, to get into the same outcome. And so, um, but that is like my personal struggle. Um, And then another personal struggle is just like detaching from the day to day as much as I used to be in because we're growing and we've got more people on the team and I don't manage everyone anymore. And um, that's just like hard because I like love my team and I like love working with them. And it's just been like hard to like have to reprioritize what I'm working on during the day. Um, And um, personally, I just, I worry all the time. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, it's like, I feel the weight of the world at low bar on my shoulders. And so it's like, it drains me. I'm like tired a lot, like, which everyone is like, it's just, it's just my path. Right. Um, but, um, it's, uh, it's like, it just weighs on me. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like what you sign up for though, because, yeah. um, I take it really seriously that we have like a hundred employees that, <laughs> um, you know, count on my decisions to be right and to be what's in the best interest of the health of the business. And like when your decisions affect that many people, it's like nauseating sometimes to make, um, because, uh, I just don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want to, um, like lose anyone's confidence. So it's a lot of pressure. How are you kind of able to handle those emotions? Because those are not easy emotions to handle. And I think we all go through them some more than others, but what are things you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, I really have spent the last couple of years putting my health first. Like Mm. I'm a better person when I've taken care of myself, like even just like my attitude, 
Like yeah. I notice a direct correlation from like when I jump out of bed and go right to work, I'm like, and like I abandoned myself that morning in a sense. So like yeah. I, I go on a walk almost every morning. Um, I make sure that I have like me time to like move my body. Um, I eat breakfast at home. Like that's like something I like love to do. And it's like almost like self-care for me to like, just have like start the day. Um, and, um, and I go to therapy every week just to like, make sure that I am not like, um, that I'm taking care of my mental health and that I'm also like working through things independently of, of myself and Globar, um, and even my personal relationships just to get a like outsider point of view and some like coaching there. Um, and, and then I just like going back to what I said at the beginning, like, I just remember that like, this is really normal. And so it doesn't have to like scare me. It doesn't have to shock me. Like it can just be like what it is. And, um, no one's dying. No one's like, you know, nothing that bad is happening from, mm-hmm. from this stress. So it's like, I can kind of like calm down and, and release that. Right. The reframing and the putting it back together. But I know you had talked about the transition of not necessarily managing everybody anymore. What's that transition been like? And are there, are there kind of, how have you been kind of able to handle that change with it too? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a company grows, like every department becomes bigger in a sense of like what it requires and what it needs and the oversight and the time it takes to manage it. Mm-hmm. And so I've slowly and very slowly like grown my team, um, to take on those different departments and each of them I've, I've oversaw at some point, you know, of, yeah. of the business. And so, um, the transition is always intentional and I try to make it as like planned and like take um, the right amount of time to like process the transition with the team, give them ample notice, Totally, have it be like a slow transition so that yeah. it's not like jarring or shocking. Um, and I also just set expectations really clearly. Um, and then usually it's pretty clear to the team what the expectation of the new person is going to be. And the expectations are clear to the new person of what I expect them to do and what the the rest of the team has been told they're here to do. And that helps. I think like for my day to day, like, like, it's just, I have to like, accept that I've brought someone in. I know that's the right choice. And I can like, let that kind of go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it's, um, it's like being really self-aware and making sure that I'm not being my own worst enemy. And, you know, there's nothing worse than bringing someone on that you don't let and trust to like right. do the job they were hired for. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big part of my, uh, my work lately. So I have two questions for you. What what does your kind of day-to-day look like now? What do you work on now that's different from what you were working on when you were more so in the thick of things? Yeah, it's more like strategy and growth than uh-huh. day-to-day execution. So, you know, I'm really like ideating on the future, making sure that our growth plans can happen, um, you know, being the cheerleader for the company. Um, telling them our vision um, and, uh, you know, doing like, you know, PR as well. And just making sure that like everyone that needs to know about Globar does. 
um, and just establishing relationships for future like needs and um, things like that. So it's really just like higher level, like growth and strategy. That Mm -hmm. is the majority of my day. I still like have my hand more in marketing than anything, just because it's like really like we're still new to the world. And so making sure that the way we put ourselves out there is the way that I intend. Um, but operationally I'm pretty hands off. Right. So I want to ask you what, what are your kind of plans for the future? How are you building that strategy out so that, you know, it's going to be effective. And thus far it's been, especially with marketing and everything, I think it's been so effective. So what have your strategies been and how are they going to change too? Yeah. Um, so our plan is to grow nationwide. So we want to be in every, you know, state, city, uh, wherever we, we can be. Um, we have big goals. We, we want over 300 locations. Like we are really excited to grow. Um, and our strategy of getting there is really the same. It's just, you know, making sure that we continue to execute on our plan and make sure that we have a really healthy business that we're scaling. Um, and, um, and treating everyone, um, you know, really fairly and with like respect and with growth in mind. Um, so it's like the strategy hasn't changed. It's just the timing has changed a little because yeah. of a little thing called COVID. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but the goal is still the same and the vision right. is still the same, which is, um, you know, our mission is to help people feel confident in their skin. And I think there's a need for that everywhere um, in the world. hundred percent. What was it kind of like in the beginning, opening these business, opening not that well, this business, but also opening locations? I feel like that's one thing to open a business and have a product, but it's a whole other thing to have locations and physical stores that you can go into. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty surreal because uh, it is so tangible, right? Like, right. when you like launch a like e-commerce brand, right? Like. I mean, it's, it is, you can still touch and feel your product, but like, you don't watch someone experience your product at home. You don't like really see the consumer interact. And that's why I've always loved brick and mortar because you get to watch the consumer. You get to see what their motivations are to come in to like really leave their home and go outside of their, you know, routine and join you. And, um, you know, when we first opened Tribeca was our first location, um, just watching like just the revolving door. It was like crazy. I was like, wow, like there it's like, it's just, it, it never gets old to watch customers come in. Especially I always say when I don't know them, uh, (laughs) because you know, my friends are so supportive and, and my family. Um, but when I see strangers come in and I'm like, how the hell did you hear about us? They're like, you know, and they're like, my friend comes and I'm like, that's just amazing. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's really cool. But uh, a benefit of brick and mortar is and retail is you get to sit there and watch how the consumer engages with your brand and your products and your services. And that's really, um, it tells you so much. You get to learn so much. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start a brick and mortar store? Um, advice. Uh, it's like any business. It's like, make sure you've done your research. Like, and I'm not saying tons of research, you know, like you don't have to do like years of research, but like, make sure you know that there is a consumer base, um, because, uh, it's a lot to manage a business in general. Um, 
and brick and mortar even more because, you know, you've probably heard like it's expensive to build out. It's expensive to rent a retail, a, you know, commercial space. And so you really like, there's a lot of risk involved in brick and mortar that is also in other businesses, but like, this is a little bit more like tied into a contract. Like you can like shut down a website and, you know, get rid of 10,000 units of a, a cleanser. Right or something. But like when you have a lease for five to 10 years, that landlord isn't going to really um, be so understanding uh, after year one or two. And you say like, you don't want it anymore. Like there are clauses and termination rights, but um, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of a different ball game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's also really important to pick your location wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've learned that, uh, really like everyone told us that, and we still have learned that the hard way. So yeah, it's hard, but, um, but you can do it where, how do you know where it's supposed to be placed? It's like an art, not a science. Like, it's like, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's like, you can do all the demographic research. You can do all of the, like, you can collect all the data and then you can still be wrong. Um, so it's a little bit of like, just make sure you've collect, like done your research and have the data to back up like why it's right for you. But it still could, it still could just be that timing didn't work for that community. Uh, the side of the street didn't work. Um, you know, like the community yeah. wasn't ready for it. Like there's like a variety of things and we've been really Definitely. lucky to not experience all of that in a big way. But like, um, you see it in New York, you live here, like, you know, a restaurant opens and a year later they're closed and it's like heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. And there's so much work that goes into each of them. And it really breaks my heart when I see it, because it doesn't matter what kind of business you are. You, you put in the same amount of work. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's just, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's really upsetting to see, but, um, we do our best to make the right, make the right guesses. Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to ask you a couple like quick questions too. Yeah. In terms of your skin regimen and what you do also to keep your skin looking healthy, what does that kind of look like? Yeah. So I do what Globar suggests um, because it's what I suggest, um, which is a five-step skincare routine. So cleanse, tone, treat, meaning serums or vitamins, uh, moisturize and SPF. Um, so I use all of our brand partners in that routine morning and night. Um, so we only carry professional brands that are sold through the professional because they are the most effective. Um, and I do, I do just that. Um, and I, you know, I am always asked about this and, you know, if you have to do, if you have to do like just one part of that, you have to wash your face and you have to hydrate. Um, so if you don't want to use a toner, if you don't want to put on serums before your moisturizer, just wash your face with at least like a gentle cleanser and rehydrate that skin. And that's like the bare minimum that you should be doing morning and night. I love it. I love it. What do you kind of have any daily routines that you have set in place that kind of keep you sane and happier? I do my five minute journal, which I tell people to to do, like, I buy it for everyone for the holidays. I'm like obsessed with it. I think it's just a really nice little practice. It takes a minute. I'm all about time efficiency, hence glow bar. Um, and it's just really nice to like, take a pause in your morning or night, whenever you choose to do it and just think about what you're grateful for. Um, my morning walks, 
Um, mm. And there's so much research done on walking lately. Like there's so much about just how it's so good for you to just get outside and go for a walk. I think the pandemic got us all walking way more. And now yep. there's like hot girl walk on TikTok. Yeah. So uh, that's fun. Um, but I go for my morning walk and then, um, and like cooking at home always makes me feel better. I feel like I'm oh. nourishing my body, treating myself well, um, you know, taking care of myself um, yeah. really helps me be happier. Yeah. And, and bringing my lunch too. I love to bring my lunch yes. to work if I can. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laughs at me for doing that. I'm like, well, listen, <laughs> um, you mentioned time efficiency. So what, how do you set up your day and what have you learned about time efficiency that has allowed you to, or what systems do you have in place to allow your efficient? Yeah. Um, so I'm not that regimented as I may sound like I could be, but I do wake up as early as I can in the morning to make sure that I have time to take care of myself. So like yeah. today, for example, my alarm went off at 6:25. I was out the door for a walk at 645. Um, and it allows me just that like flexibility of like, right. okay, if I want to take an hour walk, I can, if I want to take an hour and a half or whatever it is. Um, and then I've just like, I just try to be as efficient as possible. So like, mm -hmm. it sounds kind of crazy, but like I'll make, I either hard boil eggs or make oatmeal and both of them take about like seven to 11 minutes. So I'll put them on shower during it, get out, take it out, like, or off the stove. Um, yep. so little things like that. And then, um, for those of us that wear makeup, um, you know, during the day or to work, like I've really, and it took me like 35 years figured out my like three minute makeup routine. Wow. Um, and I actually like, I don't even like makeup to me really is just, I feel better about myself. It like feels like I'm ready to go out and like polished and, um, and like, it just, I figured it out for myself. And so that like, I'm always like, I can do at least that because it's just three minutes. Um, and I timed myself like many times to make sure wow. it really is. Um, wow. But otherwise, like, you know, I, I just try to be like, I have like little micro efficiencies throughout my day yeah. that um, help mm -hmm. me. Um, and then I also do a lot of work walking meetings. So I love getting my steps in. Um, and I try to like kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yep. 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 I love doing that too. But one, one thing I found while I do that is multitasking and then multitasking spirals and spirals and spirals until it becomes like, you can't multitask anymore. Right. Yeah. And also when um, you're on calls and you're like, you should be taking notes. It's really hard to walk and be on a call and take notes on your phone. So it's like, not that efficient for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's exactly. I, I used to talk myself into being like, no, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm doing this while I do this and it'll be great. And then I'm like, wait a second, I'm not getting the full thing out of X thing. So maybe I shouldn't be doing that because right. it really could be in person. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle to figure out like what really works for your schedule or not. But, um, but yeah, I like, I'm always looking to make things more efficient for myself. And I also like have just like, my life is a lot more simple. Like I don't, I just like put myself first and like my business first, and then everything has to like come after that, um, which actually allows you to have more time to take care of things that are really important for you and happy, make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, again, it comes back to the priorities and the values and everything. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So tell what are what are the things that matter? What what are the things that come after the business too? Um, I after the business, like I'm trying to think. I will say that like I've put like a lot of like social activities like on like the back burner. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily like always suggest that or think that was like the right move, but it's just what I've had to do because I need a lot of downtime to recharge. Um, so, you know, social activities, like going out to dinner during the week, I usually don't do just because I really just need to be home cook and like go to bed and like be really like, like taking care of myself. Um, but also I am newly engaged. So spending time with my fiance, um, and I also have a dog. So like spending time there and like taking care of my house, like is really important to me. So, um, uh, I'm excited for the future for being able to put a few of those things first or like, you know, in front of work, but right now, like really my like priority is getting Globart to where I want it to be, um, and help like getting to achieve that goal. And then hopefully having a family one day that I can dedicate more time to. I admire how you are able to, well, I really, really admire how you're able to restructure the priorities according to the phase and the season of life that you're in. You know, it's like the change and you go with the change. I feel like that's, that's really like inspirational. Yeah. It's like, it works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been a, it's been an interesting thing coming to terms with like your decisions in life. Like, yeah. um, I will say like to anyone thinking about starting their own business, like careful what you wish for. Um, like I love it and I'm grateful for it every day, but I'm also like, some days it's really overwhelming and I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, like, why did I want to do this? Yeah. Um, and I'm really real about that. And it doesn't mean I don't want it. I think a lot of parents say that, like, why did I want this little kid who relies on me for every second of their day to keep them alive. Like, um, and those are just fleeting moments, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not the, like, that's not like the overarching vibe, but like, it's, um, it's, it's a big decision to make. Um, and it really affects your life. But yeah, I think like I've gotten really comfortable with like, this is the season I'm in. Um, and it's what's right for me. And, and there'll be changes inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of, a couple of things. I'm going to shift a little bit, just going back to those fast few questions. What is the worst money mistake you've ever made in the business and personally, if you're comfortable with sharing? Um, biggest money mistake uh, business-wise I'm really frugal. So I feel like I haven't made a lot of these in the business. Personally, I could tell you 50, um, but the business, um, you know what, probably not, um, not doing my like research on yeah. like how much something should cost like an agency or like fees associated with an agency or vendor. Um, not negotiating because of time. Like, I'm like, I just want to get this done and we just need it. So like, just pay it. And that's like, it happens, right? And, and time is money. So like, you've got to weigh what's more important. But like, um, I've definitely made like those mistakes. Like I'm, I've probably, like we just um, recently had an invoice from someone and 
our new COO was like, wait, ask, why are you paying that fee? And we were like, I don't know. We always do. And it's like, you only know what you know. And so she was like, no, you should never have to pay that fee. Let's ask for them to take it off. And we did. And it saved us like $300. Wow. And, and every penny counts, like when you're a startup. And so like, that was like a huge win for us. So yeah. I think it's like the overarching, like not negotiating enough or not knowing really what a fair price for a, of that, like, um, a services. Yeah. Um, so that would be that. And then personally, when I was younger, um, I had a uh, stock in a business and, um, I had full confidence in the business and, um, oh, no. I was given an offer to, for someone to buy it from me one summer. And I was traveling with my family and I was like, no, like I want, it. like, why would I sell? Um, and so I didn't sell any of it. Right. And, um, everyone else that had stock in this company sold like half or all of it and made a good amount of money, which really set them up for success in their future. You know, they were young and I was 25 or 28 at the time. Um, and, uh, I didn't sell any, so I didn't diversify. Right. I could have sold just half and held on to half, but made a little bit. And I didn't, and the stock ended up being worth zero. So I never made money on it, but these people did. And you only like, you, like, you only know what you know. And so like, I didn't know to do that. And now that actually that experience helped me because I now would never not sell. And I always like try to make sure that I'm like, not like, you know, I, I diversify, but, um, that was a, that was a pretty expensive, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but it was a pretty expensive lesson. Lesson. Yeah. I feel like we all make a lot of expensive mistakes, but that's one thing too, that I've learned is you, yeah, you can't hold forever. Like they say buy low, sell high. They say that for a reason. It's not buy and hold. Well, buy and hold, but then sell, you have to sell. Absolutely. Um, what is your mantra mantra? What's something that you live by? Hmm. Great question. Um, um, I think like mind over matter. Um, and it's not something I'm perfect about. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about mental health. Like I can, I can tell my mind that mantra over and over and tell my mind to live with an attitude of gratitude, or I am too blessed to be stressed. You know, all these cliche terms that are like, you know, supposed to reframe and like really get my mind on a positive, like track or just like stay the course. Um, so I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I think like, I really do recognize and live by that your brain is so powerful. And if you can change and shift your thinking, um, in a more positive direction, grateful direction, then you can really like keep going and life is easier that way. Um, so, uh, you know, I really, I do believe in gratitude. Like it is just the way to be like, we all have so much to be grateful for, even if we don't have much, you know, there's like, um, but, uh, the, the brain is so powerful. And if you can learn to kind of control it, you, you really life is going to be easier. Definitely. And I think that is a great way to wrap it up, wrap up the episode, but I want to give you a chance to shout out anything and everything that you'd like to shout out socials, anything, take it away. Yeah. You can find me on, uh, Instagram at Rachelista. 
and Globar at Globar, G-L-O-W-B-A-R. Um, and we're also on TikTok at Get Globar, um, which has been a really fun channel for us to start uh, doing and um, educating people on what Globar is, but also skincare. Um, and yeah, I'm always reachable at founder at Get Globar um, and really have enjoyed this. I am so impressed by you and really cannot wait to see where you go in life because uh, I feel like I'm going to be calling you for, for a job or something someday in the, in the future. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. And thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What's On Your Mind. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, it was one of my most favorite conversations. I know I probably say that about every single episode, but truly one of the most rewarding and amazing conversations I've had. So Rachel, thank you so much again for coming. Um, please don't forget to check out Rachel anywhere on her socials. I said anywhere on her socials, but you know what I mean, on her Instagram, on Globar and Globar's Instagram. And don't forget to stop in for a facial if you are in New York or Connecticut or the tri-state area, because you're definitely going to get the results you want in the time that you have and on a budget. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here. Happy holidays. 13 days left until or 12 days left until Christmas. Wow, that is absolutely bonkers. I hope you guys are in holiday spirits. I know it's kind of bummy. I feel a little I feel it a little bit. That's not as cheery. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are good. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.